This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hello, everyone out there, and welcome to the official pandemic, as stated by the World Health Organization today. What an announcement. Um, Markets uh, reacted strongly. Dow's down 5%. Other equity markets are working their way down there. Just uh, unbelievable times we're in. Yeah, well, that could be any day. The market down or up 5%. This happens to be Wednesday, March 11th. Is that the date? That is March 11th. March 11th. Uh, I'm Jack Pelzer, by the way, joined by... I'm Dan Hodgman. Yeah, so uh, now we're officially in a bear market, in the Dow at least, and officially in a pandemic. So... I hope you didn't just learn that from me, but obviously things are pretty serious, but we think it's still important that you don't panic. Exactly. You cannot panic right now. Still at the end of the day, economic numbers are good. Um, No bubble burst like we saw in 2008. You know, the economy is still technically strong. Obviously, this is going to take a toll on us over time, but we, as traders, this is where we look for our opportunities here. Um, We prepare for these times. And um, we we get to uh, take advantage of downside moves just as well as we do upside moves. Yeah, I think that psychology is more important now than um, perhaps ever. I think especially when the market is super volatile or super calm, that's when you're really battling your inner trader the most. And that's what we talk about extensively today with our guest, uh, the founder and CEO, I guess we call him, of Trade Pro Academy, Mr. George Papazoff. And uh, he was a great interview. It was just me on the mic. Uh, sorry, Dan, you were. I know I missed out. I was uh, unfortunately up north snowmobiling. Well, yeah, he's in the Great North too, over in Toronto. But we talk extensively today about the mental battle of trading and how to stay on top. And he actually he'll talk about it further, Dan. But one thing that he does that I find fascinating is he goes so far as to objectively give himself a mental score each day. And he doesn't trade if it's below a certain number. I have heard people talk about that. I've recommended that to traders in the past that I've spoken with, that you have to understand where you stand going into it to help kind of control some of those emotions. Because if you come in and you're off kilter just slightly, it can totally affect the outcome of your day. So I'm really, really excited to hear him talk about this. That's right. And we're um, all emotional beings. And this is an especially emotional time everywhere. Uh, Back way, you know, there's irrational exuberance. There's irrational fear. A lot of things are going on. And we're seeing some real world fallout here via canceling conferences, events, things like that. It's going to be important to really step back, manage your risk, and just look at the whole picture. Right. And I can't stress enough. This is not typical trading. We don't typically see equities moving, you know, Dow a thousand points up or a thousand points down. When those days come, those are huge days. And if you're not mentally prepared for this or financially prepared for this because you need that bigger bank account, don't feel like you have to execute a trade in these environments. Sometimes it's better to just wait for things to slow down before Mm -hmm. you go ahead and get back in. Yeah, there's no harm in sitting on the sideline. So before we get started with the interview, just want to remind everyone that you can check us out on YouTube every morning with uh, the addition of Hogue for the market forecast, and JD the Dancing Bear will be there too. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been dancing all the way down so far. Oh yeah, great time to be JD the Dancing <laughs> Bear. 
And uh, back at 3 o'clock Central each day for the market reaction. Not market, the market reaction, the market recap. We send an email called the market reaction occasionally. I should know that. I'm the content manager of this place. <laughs> wow. I'm going to go flog myself. There you go. Um, and then beyond that, we did a coach's playbook where we've been taking live questions where uh, that's on. On Tuesdays at 1130 a.m. Central Time. Make sure you tune into those because we definitely want to be as engaged as possible. Take your guys' questions because I think it's a great opportunity for us all to kind of talk together, bounce ideas back and forth. Um I kind of look at it as those coaches' playbooks are a lot of times just like being in, at the prop shop where everyone kind of sits down. You've got people to bounce ideas from, ask those simple questions, or sometimes bring on those hard questions, and we'll uh, we'll definitely give our input, our advice, our thoughts around it, and uh, we're open to hearing what you guys have to bring say. Bring on the pain. Bring on your hardest questions. And some practical advice before we get go to the interview right now is you need to know your limits, but you also need to know the product uh, price limits in the products you are trading. And it was kind of interesting. A lot of people were taken by surprise with the limit down move in the uh, ES and a couple other products on Monday. Uh, Just remember, review that stuff. In the ES, it is 5% down overnight. Uh, 7%. 7% is the first breaker. The market stops for 15 minutes. 13%, it stops another 15 minutes. And then if we hit 20%, it stops for the session. Yeah. And this was the first time since 2008 we saw that 7% breaker. We've never seen any of the other two. Uh, if things really start dropping, which they could, look at those things because I was surprised there's actually some more nuances to it. I can't stress enough. The amount of traders I talked to um, in the beginning of the week that didn't understand why they weren't able to execute orders in the overnight session before the market opened up on Monday morning, I was kind of surprised by that. Um you can subscribe to emails from the CME group. You can, I can't stress enough, if you're going to trade any product, make sure you know those specifications around it. Contract sizing, pricing, limits, what's going to affect this market, what's going to move it one way or the other. There's so much you should know before you actively engage in that market. And uh, the limits are super important. I know we call this podcast Limit Up, but equities were limit down um, the other day. And we're approaching uh, we're approaching that level again here today. We'll see what happens come the close. Yeah, I should have said welcome to the Limit Down podcast. That was a missed opportunity. But with all that <laughs> unpleasantness out of the way, please enjoy this Limit Up interview I did with George Papazov of Trade Pro Academy last week. We'll catch you afterwards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Limit Up interview today. I am joined by George Papazov of Trade Pro Academy, the founder, the main man, What's going on, George? Hey, Jack. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Really excited to be here. Yeah. Well, this is the first time that I'm doing one of these interviews over the uh, interweb, so to speak. And uh, you're joining us from Toronto, is that right? Yeah, that's right. We're located in uh, Toronto, Canada, in the cold. Yeah. It's like, what, like an eight-hour drive from Chicago? Yeah, it's basically the same thing, same climate. Only difference is you guys are winning at hockey, or were at least. (laughs) Yeah, we were for like, yeah, most of the 2010 to 2020. Uh, when I saw that today, I was reminded I can look up the exact date. I've only been to Toronto once, and it was uh, August 29th to August 31st, 1997. And I know I know that simply because I looked up uh, Princess Diana died while I was oh, there. Oh, wow. That... <laughs> so, my aunt used to live there, and we were going there to meet some step-cousins, but then uh, she broke an engagement off, so never saw them wow. again. Toronto's totally changed since then. Like The whole skyline, everything's been developed, too. You should come back, is what I'm saying, Jack. Absolutely. I always like forget how close it is. So, uh, yeah. So 
We're here today not just to talk about my time in Toronto uh, in the mid-90s, but uh, to talk about trading and specifically, you know, what sort of things we could do for retail traders is usually how we focus these conversations. Uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now at Trade Pro Academy, and then we'll get into some other yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I guess before I begin the story about Trade Pro Academy, I want to give you a little bit of background uh, about me, if you don't mind, Jack. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we can start that way, too. Yeah, so for me, like my story is pretty interesting. My parents um, immigrated to Canada in 1993. I remember that because I think the Canucks were in the finals. And uh, <laughs> right they came in with nothing, right? And I had this passion, inspiration to do well, to kind of make them proud. And um, I went through school. I had various jobs. I started trading early on. I was 16 when I first started doing FX, currency trading. And um, yeah, that was a tough market. I was trading gold, like the XAU, USD, and other currency pairs. And um, then I was like, you know, let me do this professionally. Let me try to find an education that would teach me how to do it. Obviously, found nothing. There isn't anything out there, which is why, you know, I love being on podcasts with, you know, partners such as Top Step because we're really trying to help people advance themselves. But there's no education out there in the, in the financial system or in the education system. So I eventually went, eventually went to do a financial planning degree, uh, went through that, and I joined the trading desk here in Canada. Scotia Banks, one of like the bigger banks in Canada. And I started trading. And I remember I joined the desk in 2008. It was like carnage. Mm-hmm. Oh, I <laughs> yeah, you, you remember how it went. So it's like I'm taking these phone calls. I had this desire, passion to be in this industry. And every call, like one after the other, super dark, you know, people getting hurt, losing a lot of money. And uh, at the time, I'm writing blog posts on like, you know, how there's short opportunities, put options, whatever it is. And we're at the desk. We're trading, doing well, making money. And clients are in there giving these these really dark, horrific stories. So that was really the passion that propelled me uh, in 08 and 09. I stayed with Scotia for another five or so years in 2016. Actually, much longer than that time flies. But in 2016, I left to pursue educating others and trading for myself full time. But man, those stories, like I hear them in the back of my head to this day. And even just last week, I started to, to think about that. It was a little bit reminiscent. Well, yeah, we're getting a taste of that again today with these 100 plus point S&P moves every day. Yeah. And um, just from what you said about your first job, we're probably about the same age. And there really is that before, after all time is measured relative to 2008 and the recession. And it really changed everything as far as the industry. Yeah, absolutely. I remember I started trading in 01. So I actually caught the latter end of the uh, tech bubble bursting as well. But that was more like, you know, messing around. I was really young at the time. I was just trying to figure out the business. I didn't realize the magnitude of what have happened. And then in 08, when that happened, yeah, it's like a pre-2008 and then post. It's not just the market's the economy as well, right, Jack? Everything's really, it hasn't been the same. There's been this Fed put this whole time. No, because there was, you know, obviously there's all the money being pumped in, but also uh, things happened that we thought could not happen. And that changes everything going forward. Yeah, absolutely. So just a comment on that really quick. What drew you initially? You said you started uh, FX. What was it to kind of, you know, you kind of wanted to make your own, you're a very entrepreneurial person. Uh, what uh, drew you specifically to FX trading as opposed to anything else? Yeah. So currencies at the time in 2001, this is when I really got started in, in my interest in markets as a whole. It was really the only game in town. Like to be able to trade stocks required a lot of capital. So in terms of having something higher leverage, obviously with high leverage, you got to manage risk better right? It, it amplifies mm-hmm. everything. But with the higher le- leverage availability, I was able to really try out trading with a smaller account balance. And so that's what really pulled me into FX uh, at the time. I hadn't even considered futures. 
So I was looking at the currency markets. There were quite a few big moves. I could start with low capital balance. And, you know, I could scale and work my account up. So those are the main drivers for me. And also my dad was really the big inspiration behind it. You know, he's an electrician, immigrated, and uh, wanted to do, he was always interested in financial markets himself. So he's got me into trading. He's like, hey, look, check it out. This is what I'm doing on the currency side. And that's how I got my, um, you know, I hit the ground running. From there, I went to options and then eventually settled into futures. And I'm most active to this day in the futures market. Very cool. So uh, were you doing similar things? What were you trading at Scotiabank? So at Scotiabank, we're doing is mostly orders for on the equity side. And, you know, it's just portfolio positions, adjustments, realignments, et cetera. So we'd be executing orders that clients would give us. So there's no advice component to it. Um, In Canada, the proprietary side of trading was very limited. I think all of Scotiabank before 08 had a handful of proprietary traders. Uh, So it was a very limited, smaller scale operation. I mean, it's no Chicago. You guys are the uh, you know, the center of the universe for that aspect of the business. Yeah, it's certainly different. And that's the only way I know how to uh, trade professionally in the past. I was at a couple of prop firms for seven years. And so I was interested to see like how it was different. I've never been in the big bank institutional side of things. So that's obviously very much different than what you were trading your own Forex account and things like that. Uh, was that something that you ultimately find that super fulfilling or was it you just wanted to kind of go do your own thing, something else? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's like when you first start trading, like anyone who says they're starting to trade for any other reason than money is probably, it's probably lying to you or misrepresenting the truth. So it's like, I was young. I wanted to make some money. We were immigrants to this country. So I had the desire to like earn on my own on my own account. And then when I was in the bank, it was actually very restrictive in how I could trade for myself. So the interesting part of the prop trading is you're taking risk with firm capital and you're rewarded for it. Whereas if you're sitting on a desk and doing trades for other clients, you know, number one, it becomes really restrictive for yourself. You have to pre-clear some of the trades. Uh, and number two, you're doing trades that you may not agree with. Maybe like, look, you're selling at the low. This is the worst possible thing, but you can't really say anything. So when I was in the industry, it was it was was kind of struggling with the concept that I'm not allowed to share an opinion that I thought you know was valuable for investors to hear, not just mine. I also read other people's opinions, so it's I, I had that struggle where like, look, I'm taking these orders, I'm executing them for clients, but I can't really help them understand what leads up to that order because when you execute an order, it's just an action, but it, there's so much more before it, right? The, the analysis, the sentiment, how, where you're going to put your order, your strategy, the psychology behind it. The order is really just the, the, the shot that you're seeing being fired. And it was really propelling me to, to say, look, I want to give people a foundation on which they can have the knowledge, not just one strategy system indicator, but have the knowledge to be like, okay, this is an industry. It's a business. A lot of people start out saying, this is going to be my side hustle. It's not a side hustle. You're going against people who do it professionally, right? Right. And so, yeah, yeah. for me, that was the drive. I, I really wanted to educate and empower other people's uh to, to make financial decisions based on a strategy or a system rather than emotion. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day in the office that in a lot of other activities, there's different levels you can play. Say you're playing computer chess or something, there's a beginner, there's an intermediate. You're always playing on the hardest level when you're making live right. trades. Yeah. You know, you're always, the other side, you're always playing against Goldman Sachs or whatever else. You know, it's it's not a side hustle. You're completely right on that. Um, very cool. So were you in your blogging on the side? So that's kind of when you started doing that. Is that where you were kind of obviously putting out your own opinions? But was there sort of a 
theme behind the blogs you were doing or uh, a point of view? Yeah, so the the blog was like currency, and then I ran it with a, a, a friend at the time and, and partner also. And it, so we would do analysis on a technical level and then some entry point ideas. Like this would be a good low risk, high probability uh, trade entry. It was called gettingmarketmoney.com. Funny name. Getting market money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Strength of the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people do do some uh, mental gymnastics sometimes to say that it's not a large component of it is the money of why people trade. Uh, I think people can certainly enjoy trading. I do. Many people do. Um, well, that's uh, very cool. So is that kind of what uh, did that morph into you going out in your own direction or? Yeah. So as I started to trade for myself, um, I, I started seeing success. On a, I mean, look, if we take it back to I've been doing this since 2001, I've blown out accounts. I know very few traders who have just started and their journey has been directly vertical. Right. So it's, I've been through the period where I got chopped up. It was a trying time and I kept going. And then at one point I started hitting success on my own trading and I was getting ready to leave my job. And I had a lot of people ask me, hey, you know, like, how do you do this? They asked for some info. Show me how to trade. I introduced them to the concept. Number one, I enjoyed it. Number two, I'm a very social person, and I find trading in the bedroom by yourself uh, <laughs> gets number one lonely. Number two, dangerous. I think one of the most dangerous things you could do is trade by yourself. I mean, you, Jack, you were at a prop firm. You look around. Your most valuable asset was the people around you, right? Yeah, it was definitely, especially when things got hairy, having those other people around. Uh, yeah, to like talk you down from that ledge a little i i you, you're absolutely right with it being very dangerous um they really wouldn't let us work at home for that reason it's you know see that's fascinating because it's like you weren't allowed to work at home it's like those days were bad you know you, you need a little bit of a boost but on the flip side of it too those days where you feel like the market's moving because you're clicking the button you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah those are the days that you also need to kind of get a little bit of a humbling lesson like you know slow down like it's easy to be overconfident. The last thing you want to do is, I have this great winning streak. Now let me size up to triple, quadruple my lots and lose it all in one trade, right? That's that's what's so tough. You know, we experience it all the time with a lot of our traders is that you need that community wherever you can find it. If it's online or anywhere else, you need an accountability partner. So 100%, yeah. right? It's like any other job. I feel that you know, I think one of the drivers to trading as well, aside from the money, is the freedom, the flexibility, right? And our industry markets a lot to like, hey, grab a laptop and go trade on the beach. I don't know about you. I've tried that. Like the resolution is never like there's always glare. <laughs> there's, sand, there's sand in my keyboard. It hasn't worked, but it, I think it draws in a lot of interest in our industry uh, because of that reason, right? It makes it exciting. It's like, you know, you could do this from anywhere. So you're like, okay, this is now my dream. I want to work for myself. But we forget that when you become your own boss and you fire the boss you used to work for. Now you got to act like two people in one. And I think that's where the accountability comes. Number one, you got to be the trader. Number two, you got to also be the boss, the risk manager, analyze your trades, give some good feedback, keep yourself accountable and in control. And for a lot of people who work for others for a large part of their life, it's hard to have that dynamic between I'm an employee, but then I got to switch and put a different hat on and be the boss. Right? And I think that's the challenge in this industry. Yeah, it's an odd muscle to flex. So what do you think, uh, as you got better, what do you think like some of the biggest changes were that you saw? Was it purely you got better at risk management and accountability or you were just seeing things you didn't see before? Well, for me, the biggest driver, like risk management is one of those things that I'm constantly working on. And I don't think we ever perfect it, right? I think I think if you 
miss a nice big day and you've traded smaller, I think it's okay at the end of the day to say I should have sized up. Or, you know, it, I think risk is to me is a constant thing I'm working on. But the big breakthrough was uh, psychology. Like for me, the biggest aspect of it was the trading psychology. You know, I was coming in this business with the expectation of a profit. And it's okay to expect profit, but I was focusing my attention too much on the reward versus doing the activity in the now, right? Because it's like when you work a nine-to-five job for two weeks, you get a paycheck every two Thursdays, for example, whatever it is. And you know what the paycheck's going to be, whereas here the work is the paycheck. And so rather than focusing on that profit, what really led me to get the breakthrough is to focus on the in the moment right now. Like what is the process? We get the profit. It's kind of like a professional athlete. You know, we at, at Trade Pro, we all, always make the joke that who watches the scoreboard? The audience, the fans, not not the athlete themselves. They're busy creating the score that other people watch. Yeah, that's a, a super tricky thing. I remember when I was looking at trading firms and stuff like that out of college is I had no concept of what traders actually did, professional traders, because right. – you, yeah, a lot of times you don't. You come out of college, uh, you've taken your finance classes or math classes, and I'm looking at, you know, at 10 years or something like that. This is where I'm going to be. This is how much money I'm going to be making. That's the absolutely wrong way to do it. It's not like normal nine to five office jobs. There's no guarantee of every, anything. And if you're going to make a lot of money down the line, you, you literally have to do something novel. You have to invent something. You have to be entrepreneurial. It's not you can't just follow what other people are doing and expect to have this uh, massive payday at the end. Right. Yeah. You're trading time for money, right? It's like you're, you're getting more money, but you're investing more time and energy in yourself. And I think this is where trading is, is, is very interesting to me is that, you know, it's not a, let's go belt, belt to belt kind of profession. It's not less is more almost in a way, um, ideally. And for me, like the breakthrough was focusing on the process versus the profit. It's easy to, we all want to see in 10 years, Hey, I want to make like thirty million dollars, and I don't want it in ten years. I want it tomorrow. I don't know mm-hmm. about you, Jack, but ten years yeah. is way too long. And then we lose sight of what it is that we actually have to do. Like we're looking at somebody's chapter twenty, and com- we're comparing it to our chapter one where we're starting out, right? And I think it's dangerous. And for new traders who join us in our community, what we usually do is we tell them, look, the beginning, the, the most dangerous thing you can have is a mismanaged expectation because. You could be trading and learning a lot. Maybe your P&L is not showing massive gains, but you're learning so much information. You might be ahead of the curve, but if you have these crazy high expectations, you're believing that you're below them and you're underperforming, and now you're putting more stress on yourself. And rather than allowing yourself to develop and giving it the time it takes, you're pushing yourself even though you're already doing better and not realizing it. I think that's one of the dangers also at the very beginning. Yeah, I, I suffered it. Oh, I think we all do. And I know I've seen some data uh, specifically about retail trading and something like 70 or 80 percent of people go in with the expectation that they're going to make over $100,000 in a retail account. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, you just got to look at the percentage. If you look at just the rates of return on things, uh, I mean, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, it takes so much longer to get to that point than we assume at the beginning. But then once you hit that point, the next point is so much quicker and, and a little bit easier, right? It's like, think about this. How many people make $100,000 a year on, on, on average? Like, you know, it's 
of course, inflation's crept in. So maybe let's say 150. Uh, Cana- Canadian dollars? Or- yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so funny. We have that joke in, in the trading room all the time. Like, oh, it's Canadian or U.S.? Because it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. Just quick, very quick aside on that. I, I don't know why they only put the Canadian dollars and U.S. dollars on books, right? That's the only place you ever see it. Yeah, at least exactly. in the United States. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I ran on that. We'll go back to the important stuff. Sorry, you were saying uh, before I cut in. No, no, no problem. It's like well, I was just mentioning about. Ah, damn, I lost the, the the train of thought. But I have a actually a really cool story about that as well. I was in uh, Buffalo. And it was the time where the Canadian dollar was actually stronger than the U.S., all right? And yeah. I asked for change back, and I almost got flown out of the country and kicked out. <laughs> I, also, I also had a longer beard. Uh, but I do remember the point, actually. I was saying like 150000 right? It's like, how long will it take you to reach that in any other career? Because let's be honest, like to, to hit 150000 200000 you're hitting a large or a small percentage of the people who get to do that in their whole lifetime. And... So it's what are you willing to invest to get there? You go through education. You start at the beginning. It's like I know you want to make five hundred thousand a year, but let's start by getting the coffee for the guy that does and learning from him. Every other job's got an entry level, but for some reason, when it comes to trading, because the money is the job, it's not just a paycheck. The money is the actual job. We start to think that hey, you know what? Like I'm going to walk in here at the CEO level of this corporation. Yeah. I think it's two parts. And you're right, even in very coveted jobs. I mean, in iBanking, you're not in your first year, probably you're not making $150,000 and you're working 100 hours a week, right? Yeah. What are you giving up for that, right? <laughs> you know, I think the view, it's because hindsight is twenty twenty, And I'm sure this is a fallacy in some ways. It probably has a name that I have not thought of, is that because people could see what's done or been done in products, they think, oh, it's that simple. Like, I can go back two weeks and say, hey, if I had sold a bunch of uh, S&P futures or whatever, boom, there's $10 million right there. I could just learn to do that, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, the hindsight. It's so easy to look at past price action. Like, I would have got in here. I would have got out here. Oh, yeah, I would have scaled up here. But then when you're looking at the hard right edge where you don't know what's happening, you know, and I, and I think this drives a lot to the need to know where something's going, right? It's like we think that this business is an information business. Like, where are we going to go next? But we miss the real time, and we forget the decisions are made in the real time. Because I, I always give this little exercise or example, and I know I'm sure you guys, the prop firm, probably even do this with some of your traders. Is you ask somebody, hey, look, the market's going to close a hundred points higher from here. Can you make money? What are they going to say? Absolutely, I'm going to buy it. Then you say, all right. What if you could only use a five-tick stop loss? For anyone who's listening to this who's wondering what that means, it's a point and a quarter on the S&P 500 future. So what if you could only risk five ticks at a time? Would you still be able to make money even though it goes up 100 points? And the answer to that is oftentimes it's harder than you think. Far harder. Yeah. Way harder. <laughs> Much harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is you could – yeah, it's not knowing even where things go. It's all about – focusing on the things in the moment and following your process, which uh, speaking of which you said that things turned around when you started focusing on your process uh, for our beginners out there, retail traders, is, are there any kind of highlights of your process you'd like to go over? Like how you approach the trade? hundred percent. I can give you guys the, the process that I go through daily. It's we, the, the beginning of the day, the first thing I do when I when I wake up is actually not even think about the market. Step number one is work on my psychology, get in the mood, get in the zone of being a professional performer because that's what we're doing. We're athletes. 
No, I may not look like one, but yeah, well, <laughs> but yeah, it's a little whatever. brainy. I think you look great. Yeah, on purpose. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> but you know, you you start out as as an athlete. So I come in and I get myself in a performance mindset. I like to call this mental capital, and I actually measure my mental capital. And if you ask me what those factors are, you know, that gets into a little bit more of it's it's really depending on the individual person. But if I've had a bad night, if I've had really crap sleep, if for any reason I'm distracted. That shaves off some points. So I've measured it out of 10. So if I'm under seven of mental capital, you know, it's better to sit the day out. I won't even try trades if I'm not physically and mentally up to the, the task and challenge. You know, that that's super interesting. I've never heard someone actually make the smart, you know, measurable goal of that. I know what you're saying is true, but I have not seen someone do that. That's fascinating. It's been very hard, Jack, to, to be able to... to kind of stick to that because I know there's been days where I feel bad, but then the market's like moving, you know, 60, 70 points. And it's like, why am I sitting this out? But in a way it's because I'm not at a hundred percent. So I should have focused more the night before to prepare. So it's almost like this is the, the due punishment you sort of need. I'm, I'm not trying to punish myself, but if I'm not at seven or greater, I feel like no matter what the market condition is, you know, it could be the best trading day in the world. And if I'm not up to the task, I'll probably still strike out. So I'm saying, let me just relax and calm down, which puts the focus on me to get ready for the next day, even the night before. It's a self-perpetuating process. If you have one, you know, shitty trade, when you're feeling good, you'll brush it off. When you're feeling bad, it's a confirmation bias of how you're feeling and nothing can go right. And you just make suboptimal decisions for the rest of the day. Exactly. It's like being able to shake off. It's like a game. If you're feeling like performing and you're feeling up to the standard, being down a goal or a point or a touchdown, whatever sport you play, you know, it's almost motivation. Like, let's do this. I'm ready. But if you're feeling like crap and you have a crappy trade, there's a very high probability, at least for me, you know, I'm human. I'm not pretending to be some like psychology master machine without emotions. I don't think you can turn off your emotions. But if I'm down one trade and I'm feeling down, now that starts to lead me into the thing of let me just get this trade back, revenge trading. And I've never made money revenge trading. It never works out. <laughs> no, never. Yeah, yeah, we the term we use here is we talk about managing emotions versus it's you can't control your emotions. I mean, you can't just say, well, I'm just going to always you – know, we're humans. We're emotional beings. Exactly. Everyone know your triggers. Days, you feel off. Know your triggers and be smarter about it. And I think that's advice you can take to the bank in life in general. I mean, if you can approach situations outside of trading by knowing where you're at and how you're feeling, or even one step further and recognize that in other people and judge how they're interacting with you. I mean, most people, you might've caught someone, they might not be a dick, you know, yeah, you yeah. caught them on a bad day. And I think it's absolutely, these are things that I don't know. I see more and more as I get older. And, and that's awesome, right? It's also being responsible for it to to know your emotions, to manage them. That means you got to be aware of them first. And how many people go through life without even being aware of emotions? Like I go to the extreme that if somebody gets me upset, I ask myself one question: I'm like, how is that my fault? Right? Because somebody's emotion doesn't directly equate to your reaction. You choose to react in in any way that you would like. And so I kind of use that information for myself. I have an extreme emotional awareness that took me a long time to develop because I'm actually a highly emotional person. And, and I'm not afraid to admit that. I have emotion. It's good when I'm passionate. 
But when things get down, you know, it's I've had trouble bouncing back and I've worked on that for many years. And now I do a lot of meditation before the market. You know, I, I read a few things, some motivational quotes. I got to be at above 70% of my mental capital to even sit down and do this job. Because like you said, not only can you not make money, it's negative salary. Would you ever apply for a job that says this? You, you might have to pay 200, 300, a thousand dollars a day to work here. Sure. Like, no. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's crazy. But that is what this job is. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there are some cultural barriers to this, too, that we don't think about. So I'm American. Uh, a lot of our traders are American. And I think Americans in general, especially males, and it's a highly male industry, are very bad about recognizing their emotions. There's sort of this, you know, work through it, pick yourself up, a very individualistic determination, which right, and probably people on the far end of that spectrum are the people drawn to trading. It's a very individualistic pursuit. That like male bravado. Male bravado, your own destiny. I don't need help from anyone, so I'm going to do this. But even with all that, I mean, all the balls in the world aren't going to make you successful in this. You, you need to be in touch with your feelings, for lack of a better word. So, In fact, I think it's a liability. You know, I think people who jump in who just say, you know, you might mean well to say, hey, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to go. No emotions. Don't be a you know what. Like you've heard all these things. And then you kind of close yourself off the feedback loop when you do that. And now you're putting so much pressure on yourself that, you know, it, it could lead to a lot of disappointment. And, and I, you know, I've gone through that part of my life where it's like I'm either going to be emotionally aware and take advantage of, of this lifetime. Because if you think about the odds of us being alive. Think about this. Sometimes people say, oh, having a crap day, all this, they get negative. I ask them, you should just be happy because you're breathing. The odds of being alive calculated are 2 million people in one room with a dice that has a billion sides and we all roll one number. Think about that. It's mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. If, if you start thinking <laughs> about that, you'll blow your mind of thinking yeah. <laughs> uh, for, you know, over a billion years, every one of your, you know, Billions of relatives have reached uh, reproductive age. You know, you're lucky. You got to make the most of it. Exactly. Enjoy the opportunity. And this whole manliness thing, I get it because of the industry, because it comes back from like, you know, the floor days, those floor trader guys. I have a lot of friends that, that are in this business from them. I didn't have a chance. You know, I'm a younger, uh, I'm the past generation. I would have loved to, to do that. But you, you kind of see that like manliness, like, you know, never have like a down moment. But also, these characteristics and traits come from a generation. We got to remember this. Everything that we've been taught by our parents and, and you know what's around us comes a generation late. So we're getting this information from people who have grown up at a time when you know you had to work for somebody else. So you had to have that attitude to get through and get to the next level and wake up in the morning and do a job you may not have liked. In today's world, entrepreneurship isn't crazy anymore, right? Wanting to start a business, like, cool, that's awesome. And that's what trading is. Trading is entrepreneurship. Yeah, all the tools are there. And I think there still is, you're right, uh, talking about the floor people. I never trade on the floor, but I know a lot of people that did. And you could, for lack of a better word, uh, you could bully people on the floor, and that could be to your advantage. Uh, on the screens, you're not going to, you're the one getting bullied. You're not going right. to be able to go in there and, <laughs> assert your dominance and get a better fill or, you know, we're not market making and things like that. So you got to be more level. The hotheads flame out 
And that's why I've done some studies, I think, that said, uh, in general, and I saw this when I was at the firms I was at, even though there were only a few women, they had a much higher degree of success because they say that the research has shown women are better at managing emotions. And that's what it comes down to. Or looking at things more, uh, not being hotheads, I think, is what it comes down to. It's ego, too, right? Like, it, if you look at, you know, female traders, th- there's actually, my wife is, is now pregnant, and uh, we're expecting our first child, which I'm super happy about. Cool, but congratulations. Thank you so much. But the, the, the reason I bring that up is because when a woman gives birth, her amygdala, which is the area of the brain which senses and perceives danger, expands after birth and stays that way for the rest of their life. And this is just physiology. It's not disputable. It's that they have a bigger uh, awareness and perception of risk. And I think that, you know, that's that's what we need for this job. And I got to be honest with you, Jack, like it took me a long time to shed the ego. You know, I was I was raised in an environment like in, in Eastern Europe where like, you know, if you're a man, you got to be the man. And, and this ego didn't help me one bit in trading. All it did is get me to get destroyed and letting go of that ego and saying, look, at the end of the day, the only way I'm going to know anything enough in the market to make money is to know that I don't know shit. You know, it's like you just got to give it up and just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still I'm still working on killing that ego myself. And it's hard and it makes you immune. Things like feedback. Feedback's tough. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. You know, especially now that I'm doing more content and media type stuff. It's, you know, I admire so much the people that can get feedback like, this sucks or, you know, do this or this isn't worthwhile yeah. and be like, thank you. How can I make it better? And not be like, oh, well, you know, I made this thing for you. And it, but that's that's what successful people do. I got a tip for the listeners if they if they face a similar challenge. Right. It's like when you're receiving feedback, I remember two things. All right. Number one, I truly believe in this world. And if you disagree, then, you know, these tips are useless. But I believe in this world. My, my view is that everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have. You know, when my mom was saying, hey, you should stay at the bank. Why would you go on your own? You know, this is crazy. You're crazy. You're making bad decisions. She didn't use that language, but I know she felt that way because she communicated. She's not saying that to hurt me. She's saying it because she ultimately loves me. And she's trying to protect me. Of course. But when I listen to feedback, I think the people I'm like, you know, they're Look at anyone who's giving you any feedback. It might be good or negative, and it's getting you a little bit rubbed the wrong way. But you look at them and say, look, they're doing the best they can with the resources they have. What are they trying to give me this for? Like, What's their view or model of the world? Because different people have different models of the world. So I used to try to avoid conflict and get aggressive in conflict you know, years ago. And then I've worked on a lot of psychology mindset. Now I look at conflict as an opportunity. I'm like, I would love to meet somebody who thinks completely different from me because I could learn. All I need to know is what is their model of, of the world? How do they see the world? What are their views? So when somebody gives you feedback, I'm like, look, this is what are they trying to communicate? Number one, number two, what's their model of the world? And how can I understand that from their perspective? And it's been great. I never really, I love feedback, you know, even when it's aggressive. <laughs> no, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I think there's this need to be right sometimes and you have to look at things through other people's eyes. So, yeah. wow. Being cool. right has helped us survive, right? It's like, We've been taught how to be right, too, Jack. It's when, when you start school, you know, you get a grade. And that grade isn't based on what you put on the it, – it's based on is it the right answer or not. So it's putting pressure for you. And if you do good, your report card goes on the fridge with a magnet. Mine never did, mm-hmm. right? 
<laughs> I actually try to buy report cards from kids, change my name, and stick it on. It didn't work. Oh, that's, like a oh yeah, that's always great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's like we've been conditioned to be right or wrong and to either punish ourselves or reward ourselves based on these things. But I think for trading, it's not about being right or wrong. You know, it's at the end of the day, you're only going to know. The market's the real teacher. The market's kind of the, the true thing. And you're not trying to predict where it's going. You're trying to read the real time and get on board. You don't have to be right to make money. And you don't have to be wrong to lose it. Yeah, you just have to continuously put yourself in the right place to be to succeed with some probability that's better. You know. Yeah, you got to take a shot at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Trade Pro Academy right now? Sure, we could jump into it if you want. I, I'm loving this conversation, though. I'm, I'm loving it. Take... I'm loving it too. We can, you yeah. know, always have you back uh, some other time. You know. We're, yeah, sure. We're yeah. rolling out. Like in general, speaking of feedback. I mentioned this a lot on the show. We did yeah. a uh, a podcast listener survey, and one of the things was uh, changing the length. I think we sometimes used to let things, you know, run out extend, of hand. Run, run out of hand yeah, a little yeah. bit. So I understand everyone's busy. We're all competing for your time. So thank you for listening. I uh, appreciate that. But uh, yeah, but I thought it'd be interesting because uh, I definitely have some questions about what you're doing over there, and I, I'm always fascinated about the resources out there for people who are getting into trading or how to succeed or what the different systems are for doing that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So at trade pro Academy, like the business is, is community based. So our biggest asset is the ability to sign up and be a part of a community. So it's not, you know, it's not a thing where you get signals or indicators. If you're looking for that kind of stuff, you know, it, it's a more challenging business and way to earn the money. But what we do is you sign on board, uh, there's a three-month plan that you follow through. There's a lot of education. And it's all like layered. It's structured. It's graduated development. But really, the biggest benefit is being able to be in a community. So every morning we trade live. We have a trading room. Uh, people join in across the world. You know, We share analysis, ideas, break down news. One of the biggest benefits as well to being in a community like Trade Pro or one like Top Step you know, is is being able to have another opinion or, or input. If you're trading S&P 500, but another guy's trading bonds, you know, it's interesting what the bonds guy has to say. That's an inverse correlation to what your trade's about to be. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, in the pits, that's why guys are always looking up. They're looking at the quote board. So I, we, we do a lot of intermarket correlation, order flow analysis. Our strategy is primarily based on market structure, and then for timing, we use order flow. Uh, but it's more of a community. So there's the education component there, trading rooms, and really, you know, that's what we're all about. We love to see people win. Um, some days, you know, I have a bad day. The community rocks it. And I, I absolutely freaking love it. Yeah. Well, yeah, th- those are going to happen. And it's it's great to uh, that you're trying to foster that. That's something that we're trying to do as well, because I think it's important that people have, as we talked about earlier, have communities, have accountability, are open to other ways to look at the markets. And uh, th- a disclaimer from before is I'm glad that, you know, you're not one of those people who's just giving like levels or tips of the day like that because, yeah, hey, God. man, you can point people to what might be an area of interest. But I hope everyone out there realizes whether it comes to sports gambling or stocks or trading, nobody has any incentive whatsoever. If they had a system that 100% worked and they could say you buy at this level and you're going to rock it there are more direct ways for them to capitalize on that information than to sell it out. 
Nobody would ever sell that. Number one. Number no. two, if that system existed and they kept doing it, the market would stop working, right? There's, there needs to be a level of uncertainty for this market to function. So I'm with you 100%. Well, like the bane, one of the banes of my existence right now or my new pet peeve for the year is uh, since I've taken this job doing the content stuff for uh, Top Step is now because I'm searching through all the competitors and stuff like that, I get these ads blown at me specifically Ugh. for YouTube videos. Yeah. Usually uh, some overly muscled 50-year-old <laughs> white guy just screaming at me from like a private yeah. jet. You know, they probably rented <laughs> on the tarmac, right? Exactly. They do that. Yeah, they, they yeah. do that in Russia. I saw, uh, but they're just screaming at you, like you know, we're gonna make you make a million dollars. It's just bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's not the reality, right? The reality is, it's a lot less exciting than than you would think, and that's a good thing. You know, it's like I got in this industry, Jack, to kind of go against that. You know, like we're not here charging people seventy million dollars for a course. Like it, I boosted that a little bit, right? But it's not ten, twenty thousand. It's a monthly membership. It's low cost, and it's like. Keep the rest of the money because you can't get education anywhere that guarantees you're going to be a successful trader. What you're going to get when it finally works is somebody that guides you through it and the market's going to teach you those lessons. And so we're really big, firm believers. Like None of this level strategies that we feed out people posting our trades, that's not what's important. What's important is you're in the right place with the right people and you develop with them. You know, that, that, yeah, that's the focus. You can teach uh, the process you can provide the community, but you can't teach immutable strategies because strategies are always evolving and it takes skills to find what that next is going to be. I could sit down and tell everyone how uh, the firm I was at made money in 2011 and that information would be utterly worth uh, completely worthless you'd have a better shot doing the opposite probably right now <laughs> oh yeah or just not do it just do anything else yeah, exactly. you know? yeah. <laughs> Buy some well that's the funny tickets. part right because strategy is very it's very unique like i could give you my strategy and it won't make money for you it's like if we gave you lewis hamilton's f1 mercedes car you know most people couldn't even turn it on let alone like let alone put a lap time in that's competitive to his so it's the strategy the things that we think are going to make a difference or an end result and something we get the opportunity to create. It's like you have to go through the learning process so you know enough to create your own in order to ever have a shot at succeeding, right? Because there's so many unique things, the way you perceive risk, the way you think about money, what's risky to you. So maybe you're taking a more aggressive trade than other people. And if you're being fed uh, entry levels and you're losing, you're not going to learn because you're blaming other people. The responsibility shifted away. And I think the important part about trading is, we have to take responsibility. We got to own our own results, and we got to want to make this happen for ourselves. No, like silver spoon being fed trades. It's other people's trades are other people's garbage. You know, come up with mm-hmm. your own. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Throughout my career, from time to time, I had some great traders who made a lot of money. Literally on my P and L monitor, I could see exactly what they were trading, and when. Yeah. Did it make? An ounce of difference? No, not at all. Exactly. No, you could you you could see this is your key to making uh, a couple million dollars a year, but you can't do it. Yeah, it's just it's not going to work that way. You got to learn how to have the feelings, learn the process, and learn to do your own thing and evolve with the market. Yeah, because you might have somebody's strategy, but you don't have their mental capacity in executing it. Right? Absolutely. 
at the end of the day, if you exactly replicate someone's performance, you know, what's the point? Why have two of you trading when I could just give more capital than one out of prop firm, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we need an edge so we can diversify. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so uh, as you said, comes back to community. I think that's the quickest way that a lot of retail traders out there could see some immediate improvements is committing to being part of a larger community. 1,000%. Because you look at any firm, like even you, Jack, being at the prop firm, you know, the first thing you did is you probably met everyone. You got a chance to, to meet everyone around you. I mean, if you Google professional trading environment or prop firm or anything, trading floor, you're not going to see people on a floor with closed off offices. You're, you're never going to see that. No. It's all open. And so I think that's the most important part. The most important part is always the thing that sounds the easiest. You know, meet some people that are already doing it because from there, everything becomes easy. Looking for a key piece of information that's going to make you from somebody who's entering an industry to be the CEO of that company in a fictitious business, you know, for example, it's not going to work. It doesn't exist. And the longer time you look for shortcuts, the more time you waste. But more importantly, the more mental capital you waste. There comes a point where we just have enough of, with anything, right? And that's an individual factor. It's like, I've had enough of this. I'm just burnt out. And at the beginning, if you're just looking for one thing to change your whole trading, you're burning out your mental capital that you could be using by joining a community, starting from the beginning and focusing on progress, not money. Focus on progress. At the beginning, you're going to be learning a lot, but your P&L is not going to show it. But that's the information on which you're going to build success. Today's profit is yesterday's hard work. So what's more important today is that you learn something. It'll make you more money in the future than to make a couple hundred bucks doing trades that don't fit with your plan. And I think people who have not tapped these resources will be shocked in a business that sometimes gets labeled as selfish. Uh, How many people there are out there who are really committed to helping others, providing feedback? I'm always, there's certain people in our Top Step Facebook community is where I see it or on forums and stuff. And I'm always shocked at how many people are willing to, I think about how long it would take to write a three paragraph post or something communicating with a stranger. But there's people out there doing that. And there's a real commitment in some of these communities that seeing everyone get better. So I think that's what's important, finding somebody who's actually there for you. And you could tell right off the bat, it's like, you know, What's the upfront cost of something? The higher the upfront cost, not always, right? But it's like if somebody really cares about you, it should be easy. It should feel easier to get started than having to jump through hurdles. And that's why I love, you know, and that's why we're partners with Top Step. From Trade Pro, anyone who finishes education who looks for funding, you know, Top Step's the place that, that we always send them. Oh, and great. it's like, yeah. And, um, you know, at the beginning, just start out. My advice for the new traders is start out. In a community, I wish I had that. In 2001, when I started, there was nothing online because there wasn't as many people trading it. And find somebody that you could share your progress with because how many people do we know that trade in our personal circle? You, Jack, are a bad example because yeah. <laughs> you know a lot. But most people who start out on the retail front don't know many people who understand their challenges. And when we share our challenges with those people, what are they going to say? Well, what you're doing is risky. I don't know. I think getting a paycheck that's consistent you know, that's fixed income is the most risky thing in life. I think this trading is not meant to be consistent income. I think we're trying to take a variable game and make it consistent. And that's where the challenges come. It's not meant to be consistent. That's a good thing. I always say to people that if you're being consistently paid, you're being consistently underpaid. 
Somebody's making money off of you. The difference between what you're worth and what you're being paid, that's the profit for a company. Yeah, there's a there's definitely a balance to strike between consistency and making the most of opportunities. Absolutely. So yeah, if, if you're being completely consistent, it probably you're probably not maximizing what you could be doing. Exactly. The the days where the markets move a lot, you should make more. Some days where it's slower, you shouldn't be looking for your targets a thousand bucks. The market's in a four point range. Good luck. You're gonna have to size up one stop and you're done. You can't even make it back. Now you're chasing. Bad things happen. <laughs> yeah. So George, I would love sometime. I'm super fascinated by this, you know, the neuro linguistic programming you're doing. Yep. We're going to be cutting the episode a little short, but maybe down the road in a couple of months or whatever, if you wanted to come back or do whatever, just we could do a full conversation on that. I think it'd be fascinating. I think that'd be an amazing episode. It, the NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is like the lost user manual for the brain. And when you know how to harness the power of the brain, trading becomes, I don't want to say easier, effortless, but it becomes easier and it's you untap your true potential because there's motive for everything. If you're afraid of risk, it, it might be a value-based thing. It might be your parents that have taught you that you're afraid of risk. And so if you're afraid of risk and you don't work on that, you're never going to see this job as a long-term prospect because it's so risky. So that's what we work with is like value systems. Um, you know, neuro means obviously brain. Linguistic is language and programming is how to change the program in your mind. And so I'd love to do a podcast on that. I think it'd be great. That'd be awesome. In, in the meantime, is there some uh, resource or um, I, I know you have a podcast or well or some resource that people could go if they want to learn more about that? Yeah, we have a, we actually have a full NLP trading psychology course that's based completely geared towards trading. Uh, that's part of our subscription package, but it, the way our model works, anytime you subscribe, you get everything. There's no upsells or upcharges. You just one fee, it's low, and you get everything. So that's one aspect of it. Another one's our podcast. We talk a lot about trading psychology. It's called Mind Over Markets, and it's funny. It abbreviates to mom. No, the mom. That's good. <laughs> the trading mom. Yeah, you got to have that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, George, thanks so much for you know taking the time today to talk to us. I thought it was a great conversation. Um, love talking to you. You got some amazing insights into this. So thanks so much for sharing them with our listeners. It was great fun. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I love what you guys do for the trading community and top subs traders. So thanks for having us on and enjoy the discussion as well. Hey, thanks again, man. No problem. All right. We'll uh, cut that there and I'll be with you in the outro. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, thanks to George for being such a great sport, having a great conversation. I really hope he takes me up on the uh, request to come back sometime where we can discuss more of his uh, actual studies. But he was a really interesting guy. He was a great guy to talk to. So, uh, Dan, once again, sorry you couldn't be there. I know. You really I was missed bummed out. I missed it. It sounded great. But you'll be doing your own interview because I'll be in the Bahamas next week. I know. I don't feel for you. Well, that'll be fun. You guys are interviewing someone JD knows who's a big uh, bond trader, correct? Big bond trader. Now he's more active in uh, oil and natural gas. So I think with time, with the times that we're having right now, it's going to be a great conversation to have. Um, get some insight on uh, what people are thinking about this uh, this crude market. Yeah. Yeah. I was a uh, bond trader and uh, I don't think it gets enough love sometimes at Top Step. Never does, but man, oh man, we saw an 11-handle move to the upside the other day, and uh, it's moving multiple handles every day. So those of you that are have always wanted to dabble in the bonds, 
I uh, I recommend just check them out a little bit. Yeah, check them out. Bonze, they ain't sexy at first glance, but uh, they're the uh, thinking man's product. That's what I always say. I would agree with that. You know, you gotta have uh, you gotta be prepared for the big ticks, but uh, the payouts the payouts can be nice when we're moving a couple handles every day. All right, we'll come back next week and learn how to become bond men and bond women, uh, or not bond girls. That's something else. Bond. Trader bond. bond. <laughs> All right. Well, that was stupid, but that's the perfect way to end off. It's Thursday. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, if you're quarantining yourself, uh, have fun with that. You know, make the most of a, you know, not great situation, but stay safe. Have fun. Trade well. Namaste. Trade well, everybody. Trade well. See you later. Bye. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.